Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to spend a little bit of time with me and my guests to learn a little something. I have a fantastic network of amazing people who make my life richer in so many ways. They make my personal life better, my business life better, my whole life better, and I want to share their stories and their teachings with you so that you can make your life better as well. We are all meant to do great things in our particular domains, and I hope that some of what you learned today may help you to live in your greatness. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. So happy you decided to join me. I have another one of our fantastic Conference 21 speakers today. Today's guest is Michael O'Brien. Michael is one of our mindset speakers. He talks about uh, ways to get your head more right. Now, sometimes people will talk about how they, they really needed something to just kind of drive home a point to wake them up to something in their lives. And sometimes they say, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks or it hit me like a truck. Well, in Michael O'Brien's case, it's a little bit more literal. He was actually hit by a truck. That was the moment that made him realize he needed to stop chasing happiness and start living in the happiness that was already around him and enjoying his life. He has a concept of last bad day. Basically, the idea that days are not good or bad except for how you interpret them and how you make them. And he looked back on this experience of getting hit by a truck and nearly killed, and it gave him a little bit of perspective as to what really is a good day and a bad day, and can you even have a bad day while you're still living and still having the opportunities that are around us? Uh, of course, he's going to explain it a lot better than me, so I'm just going to let him talk about it. But before I get to that, I just want to share how you can see his presentation at Conference 21. Conference 21 is February 20th and 21st. It's the first Conference 21. Now, you may be listening to this later. There will be more Conference 21s, but the very first one is February 20th and 21st. Tickets are only $21, and you can get them at conference21.com. We have eight uh, speaker slots, but 32 speakers, and they'll all be recorded, uh, assuming the technology allows us, doesn't lose recordings and whatnot, but uh, if all goes well, they'll all be recorded, so you can watch eight of them live, and then the other 24 you can catch on the replay, or if you see one that's good and you want to watch it a few times, you can do that as well. Uh, technology does that for you, but even better is going to give us the opportunity to really connect, because one of the things we get out of a conference is you come out of the talk, and your head's full of ideas, you can talk to someone else who's there and say, hey, what did you think? Hey, I'm, I'm thinking I might implement this. I, I like this. What, what did you think about? What was your favorite part? This is how we decompress. This is how we absorb the knowledge so it doesn't just sit like a lump in our brains. And with the Slingshow platform, we're able to get that effect. We're able to really connect with people in the 15 minutes between talks so you can actually kind of absorb them a little bit and not just get rapid fire, boom, 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 have knowledge dumped on your brain. You can really kind of absorb it. And of course, the other great thing is the kind of speakers we have, they're the sort of people you can connect with. These aren't big multi-million dollar speakers. These are these are experts. They are very knowledgeable in their fields, but they're not so big you can't get them on the phone. So the people you can actually connect with, which is, I always think, so much more valuable than, you know, you can watch a YouTube video and get some ideas. But to hear someone speak and say, you know what, that's someone I need on my team. That's someone I need to be working with. The, these are people that you could actually work with, including, of course, our guest here, Michael O'Brien. So without further ado, let's meet him. Let's meet our guest, Michael O'Brien. Today with Michael O'Brien. He's the Chief Shift Officer of Peloton Executive Coaching. Glad to have you with us, Michael. How are you? Great, Michael. Good to be here. Looking forward to our conversation and 
talking about some good old stuff. So uh, thanks for having uh-huh. me on. Yeah, so we were chatting a bit before we got started, and I was like, oh, we got to let's stop chatting and hit record because we got some good stuff here. Um, but first, I want to start with your story because I know you have quite a tale of how you got into your business and uh, and uh, brush with death, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a little bit of a, like dance with death. There's no doubt about it. So I call it my last bad day. I had a corporate meeting, corporate offsite. Remember when we used to do those things? We used to travel for work, especially given given what we've lived through over the last. Ah, yes, months. leaving the house. I remember that. Le- leaving the house and going through TSA and all that stuff. So it was back in 2001, out in New Mexico, uh, a Monday through Friday affair. I brought my bike out. Been an avid cyclist all my life, and I wanted to get a little exercise during the meeting. Cross New Mexico off the states. I've ridden my bike. And that morning, Wednesday, July 11th, I came around to Ben. I had this perfect loop, two-mile loop out the main uh, back door of the hotel, up the main drag. I came around the bend, and a Ford Explorer had crossed fully into my lane. He was traveling about 40 miles an hour, and he hit he hit me head on. And my God, I remember everything about that morning, almost everything, but I certainly remember the sound of me hitting his grill, the sound Ooh. I made when I went into his windshield, the screech of his brakes, and then the thought I made when I came to the asphalt below that knocked me unconscious. I regained consciousness. And then I asked the question of the EMTs because I was surrounded by police, ambulance and fire and all that jazz. I asked them the question only another cyclist can truly appreciate. I was like, Hey, how's my bike? And, they <laughs> me and they're like, you're like, your bike's fine. Try to focus on yourself. Just try to breathe. And I knew they were lying. My bike was not fine. And nor was I, I was, in the worst pain ever. And I just remember trying to will myself to stay awake. I thought if I could stay awake, I could control the situation as crazy as that sounds. And I just thought like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like I thought I was following the script I was given when I was younger and following it to the letter of the law. And this was now part of my story. And when they put me on the helicopter to take me to Albuquerque, the only trauma one center in the state, I told myself, if I live, I will stop chasing happiness because uh, I was doing a lot of that before the accident. And, and what do you mean by chasing happiness? Well, I would do something that I think a lot of people do today because today we have a whole bunch of social and a lot of comparison traps that I'll be happy when I get promoted or I'll be happy when I get that new car, those extra merit badges, or I'll be happy when I make it here. And we chase after that and we catch it. And there's a moment where we feel happiness, but a lot of those finish lines sort of vaporize. And then you go back to chasing, you get back on that hamster wheel. So I was doing the rise and shine and grind thing before it was cool, like with all the kids today, just sort of just grinding it out. That's what I thought I had to do, just chasing the happiness, but not fully catching it. So I was never really happy. I was really had this attitude that I had to do more to be more, which I think is really common today. Like I'm just not enough and Mm -hmm. just kept on chasing that and chasing that. And back then I didn't know how to process my stress either. I, you know, a lot of us guys don't learn how to do that growing up. And what I did is I poured my stress inside. I just pack it down and I wasn't really dealing with it. And as they say, like whatever, whatever you resist persists as cliche as that sounds. And I like to think that that SUV knocked a lot of stuff, a lot of stuffing out of me, including that stress. And that first surgery took about, took about 12 hours. I needed 34 units of blood product. I broke 
broke almost everything. What made it a life and death situation is that the left femur shattered and it lacerated the femoral artery of my left leg. So I broke both my legs in multiple spots, upper body. I was, I was filled with windshield glass. The doctors had no idea how I survived. They told my wife, had it, had your husband been 10 years older or not in shape, he would have died before he got to the hospital. So they're like, you're a bit of a miracle that you survive. But even though like they think I'm a miracle and after four days in the ICU, they painted this grim picture of my life. They're like, yeah, I'm probably gonna walk with a lot of limitations. You're gonna have a lot more surgeries, a lot of pain and suffering. They were trying to set the expectations pretty low. They told me you're probably never gonna ride your bike again. So all that promise of like, I'm gonna stop chasing happiness turned to like anger. I was worried, I was I was frustrated, I was pissed off, I was, I was even revengeful. I was like, the guy harmed me, he had a revoke license, he shouldn't have been driving that day, I will harm him like an eye for an eye. So mm-hmm. I sat in that funk for a while. I mean, I tried to put on the brave face, the optimistic face, like, okay, we got this. But deep down inside, I didn't, I didn't believe it. I was really angry, angry and became the sort of the anger. I was like, why, like, why do like bad things happen to good people? I was following the script. This isn't supposed to be happening. The pain and suffering is supposed to be for other people. I'm supposed to say, keep them in my thoughts and prayers. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm the one who you know, his health is at risk. And I didn't know how to deal with it at first. And so how did you, how'd you deal with it? Well, I had a really good mentor. So eventually they flew me back from Albuquerque to New Jersey, where I'm from, or where I live. I'm from upstate New York, uh, but I live in New Jersey now. Great state, gets a bad rap. Um, So I, I fall in love with our, our, our home state now. So during a time in the hospital there, a mentor called and I had a lot of trust with him. So I just, I unloaded on him, Michael. I was like, I vented and all the stuff I was packing in. I was just like, let him have it. And he listened as a good mentor does. And he said, you know what? Here's the advice I'm going to give you, Michael. All the events in your life are neutral until you label them. And I was like, huh? Like, what are you, what are you saying? And he goes, all the events in your life are neutral until you label them. You get to choose your labels. He goes, said, went on to say like, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. And right now you are labeling yourself as the victim of all this, that this is all unfair. And Mm. Hey, you have every right to be mad. This is horrific. It's flipped your whole family's lives upside down. My daughters were three and a half years old and seven months old at the time. This is huge. So you have every right to be mad, but you also have every right to choose a different label. You can label yourself a victim and you can act as if you are a victim, or you can look at things a little bit differently. So instead of thinking this happened to you, maybe it happened for you or through you, you know, try to have some space for that possibility. And then he pulled out a page from the cycling playbook. This is a thing that we learn as cyclists that you go where your eyes go, meaning like wherever you're looking, that's where the bike's going to head. So he said, you're going to go where your eyes go. So wherever you're going to place your attention is where you're going to place your energy. And that's going to determine how you're going to get through this recovery. And the thing I want to leave you with as we sort of finish up that phone call is that you have a choice in all this. And so at first, you know, I'd like to say like, oh yeah, the clouds parted and the rainbows appeared and the birds were singing. It took me a while to sort of noodle that and process that. But then I realized how wise that feedback was that yes, all the events in our life are neutral until we label them. We're just so quick to label them, especially nowadays is good, bad, right or wrong. 
-hmm. So I worked on trying to save some space and to see how this whole thing was happening for me, not to me. And once I got to that point, that's when I labeled the day, my last bad day. I was like, I'm going to choose my label for this. And I'm going to say, this is my last bad day, not as a day of unicorns and rainbows, but as a day where you're like, okay, my last bad day. Now I'm going to write a new script. I'm going to show up differently in life. And I'm going to be the one that gets to create the life and the career that I desire, as opposed to thinking that the tail's wagging the dog. And so that was the beginning. And it's not been a linear process. It hasn't been smooth. There's been some ups and downs and steps backwards and sideways. But along the way, we keep pedaling, making sure that we're pointing our eyes in the right direction so we can go forward. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I see it's driving. So I, I know oh, that yeah. the, the eyes, the car follows the eyes. And and yeah, if you're skidding on ice and you're looking at the guardrail saying, don't hit the guardrail, don't hit the guardrail, I can guarantee you, you're going to hit the guardrail. Absolutely. If you, if you look yeah. down the road and you're like, stay on the road, stay on the road, then you follow that path. So yeah, that's that's that is very transportable advice to a lot of different things. So are you, so did you fully recover or are you, um, are you hobbling around and off your bike? So I am, um, so I am on my bike. Um, and the, 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 actually the question, the question I used to get a lot, I think is really appropriate for current time. So like this whole, like, I just want to get back to normal. Like we talk about that a lot, you know, with mm -hmm. all the things that we're going through. And a lot of people would ask me, hey, you're back to normal. And I'm like, you know what? Elvis and normal left the building when I got hit. Um, yeah. <laughs> that toothpaste ain't coming back in the tube. Like we're not going to get back in. Just like with this, just like with what we experienced this year, normal and Elvis left the building back in March and April. Mm -hmm. So for me, the way I like to think of it is I've created a better normal that I've made a full recovery up to my potential. There's certainly things in life I can no longer do. I can't run anymore. Um, I have some beautiful scars to tell, I think, a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely, I have limitations. I'm never going to become like a master yogi because I can't bend the way I once was able to bend, even though then I couldn't bend all that well, to be the truth be told. So, but I am riding and I'm racing again. So I think I've created a better normal. And I, I look at life differently now yeah. than ever before. And I know how to process my stress. I know how to prevent those bad moments from turning into bad days. So in a lot of ways, I think I'm a better version of me than I was prior to the accident. Yeah. I, I definitely, I'm totally with you there that yeah, I look at 2020. I mean, thank God I've not had the experience like you have. Um, but you know, I look at even 2020 and I, I would not go back and skip it because I think I'm coming out of the year so much better than I went into it because it was, there's challenges, and there's, but there's a lot of opportunities. And uh, as you say, it's all about how you label it. You know, if you if you say, oh, 2020 has been the worst year ever, then it probably has been. And if instead you say, yeah, everything got thrown up in the air, the, the deck of cards got thrown on the floor. Well, now you pick it up and reshuffle it however you want. So there's, there's a lot to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the cool things us humans have the ability to do is hold two thoughts in our head or even multiple thoughts in our head at the same time. So we can look at 2020 and we can recognize the pain, suffering and loss that we've all had. We've all lost something. We all are grieving a certain element of life, whether it's a loved one or just like a sense of normal. Right. But we can also hold in our head, like the opportunities that this has created, that this is indeed, even though there's some pain, it's happening for us or through us. Like I love this saying, I worked 
in my corporate life, I worked for a Japanese company. So we had this phrase, uh, no mud, no lotus, that the, the beautiful lotus flower that pops up on a, a lily pad, it has to grow through the dark and the dank and the mud and the muck and the water to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, us humans too, our best growth happens when we go through our toughest moments. So I like to think that much like my accident, this whole year known as 2020 is really happening for us, even though there's a lot of pain involved and loss, that we can create a better a better tomorrow through all this if we come together in the way that I think we can come together. I love it. I love it. So I got a quick uh, bad joke, and then we'll take a break and um, be right back in a moment. But uh, what you were saying reminded me of a, a bad dad joke that I heard once, which is that a man was about to go into surgery. And he asked the doctor, he said, uh, doctor, will I be able to play the piano after the surgery? And the doctor said, I don't see why not. And the man said, great, because I never could play it before. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back after this with uh, Michael O'Brien, the chief shift officer of Peloton Executive Coaching. I hope you're enjoying this interview. I just want to take a brief break to remind you about Conference 21. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's only $21, February 20th and 21st. I know some people are saying, well, I'm not sure if I'll be free both days or either day. Doesn't matter. Sign up anyway. There's networking events that go along with it. And even if you can't make either day, you can still catch all the talks on the recordings. So that's 32 presentations with great actionable information for $21. That alone is worth it. But then on top of that, the networking events, the connections, some of the other resources we're going to be sharing, totally worth it. Conference21.com, only $21. Sign up, tell your friends. It's going to be a hell of an experience at the start of something truly amazing. Speaking of amazing, let's get back to our interview with Michael O'Brien. During the break, we were talking a bit about the idea of common coaches and the value versus the, the millionaire, the influencers out there, and some of the value that uh, that the the non-millionaire coaches bring to the table for folks. So talk a little bit uh, about what we were, we were talking about there. Yeah, great, but Michael, I think this is a really important topic. And this is not to throw shade on the blue check mark people in our lives. And our I love the blue check mark people. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great people. But I think... Like in today's society, we we tend to over-index on celebrity and influencers and quote-unquote experts. And I think some of the problems that we have today are a result of over-indexing there. Because I think, actually I know this, that there's so many wonderful folks that may not be a blue checkmark kind of guy or gal, but have like real world stories that are more relatable to audiences or to clients. And it can that can be used just as a, a beautiful connection piece, a relatability, a trust. I know like for you, like the people you coach, like the person you are online, the person you are you are in your podcast, and the person we would meet, like in your town at the grocery store, is the same guy. Mm-hmm. And that alignment, that consistency. I think that's an important currency as we move forward, because as a nation, there is a lack of trust. There's a lack of trust in some of our leaders. There's a lack of trust in some institutions. There's a lack of trust in 
really in each other. I think that's why we have so much divisiveness. So where we can have that consistency, like how you show up and the other people you associated with and with your conference, that alignment I think is so vital. They're also closer to like whatever the struggle is of the person that's in the audience. Like, oh yeah, you get me. Like, yeah, you know, because I'm not too far removed from that. I think with some of the people that sit at a higher level, maybe we put up on a pedestal, you know, they have teams around them. They may not be close to that pain point, if you will. And there may not be alignment. The person you see on television, on Bravo, uh, or on Instagram may not be the same person you see in real life. And I think as we go forward, we need all of us at all levels to come together. And I think there's some really great value in tapping into the people, the common coach, the common speaker, because their experiences just as valuable as a blue check mark, but also a little bit more relatable because they're closer to they're closer to that audience member. They're closer to the client as far as what their clients are going through in this given moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's something I see with some of the coaches I've talked to in this. They say, well, you know, hire a virtual assistant to do X, Y, and Z, or um, you know, repurpose your content and all these things that assume resources that that somebody might not have. You know, they might not be able you, you can get a pretty cheap virtual assistant, but if you're living paycheck to paycheck, fifty dollars a week to have a virtual assistant repurpose your content might be out of your budget range. And so, you know, when it, it Sometimes when you have someone who's making $50,000 a month giving you your advice and you're making $3,000 a month, they they assume resources you don't have. Uh, and beyond that, I, I even see a kind of a denigration of the value of work that, that is assumed if you're successful, you're not really working. You, know, you're, you give speeches and you write books and you're very professional. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're working, you know, with your hands or you're doing like hands-on stuff, you know, a team, well, I guess that's what you do until you get successful. Um, yeah. Well, some of the people making lots of money are general contractors, plumbers, electricians, and, and they don't know all these business principles. They just know, you know, plumbing and they make $170,000 a year working in pipes. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people miss out because because they say, oh, I want to do professional stuff. And so they don't, you know, take gigs or they don't do side work and and do these things where they can make $30, $40 an hour um, doing you know, and that's, that's something Mike Rowe does. Uh, you know, Mike Rowe is really big on that. Yeah. The, the dirty jobs, the nobility of work. Um, and I think that's a message a lot of people need to hear is like, maybe you do need to do some dirty work to make some money before you can do your your um, work up in the tower. I, I love it. I think, I think it keeps you honest too, as a professional, as a coach, as a speaker. So again, you can be more relatable. I was just talking to a client before we got on today, uh, talking about, um, my family, like my mom, dad, and sister, and just dealing with aging parents. And, and they're like, wow, this sounds like a really tough situation, which it is. And I say, well, you know what, it, it does keep me honest. You know, sometimes in a coaching world, especially if you get like too high, you lose contact with like what's real. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what, going through that keeps me honest that life is not so easy that, yeah, like there's a spiritual side, I think, to a lot of coaching and trying to find a little bit of our energy and what resonates and all that jazz. But there's something also very pragmatic to getting real work done. And in the work I'm doing with my parents and our family is real work stuff. As you deal with aging mm-hmm. parents, you get to a certain age. And I, th- I just think right now, as we think about building our better tomorrow. So yes, 
you know, certainly blue check mark and experts and those gurus, they have a place in our society. What I'm saying is I don't think we should over index too much mm-hmm. on them, like trying to balance it out, like have that be there. It can be valuable education and it can also be entertainment, but there's also so many rich, wonderful stories and people that can provide accountability and counsel and support that are right there in your neighborhood, right there in your town that mm-hmm. may not be as such a well-known name as ending up on the New York Times bestseller, but God, the advice they can give you is so what you need right now. And you can make such a special connection with that person. Yeah. And, and I think there's so many people who have additional challenges. Like I'll, I'll work with people who are, you know, especially now dealing with the kids and the homeschooling and all, all those challenges. And so there's the platitudes about like, well, just dig in harder and, and <laughs> hustle and grind. And like, I, I know someone who's between homeschooling and the, and work and everything she has to do. She described her schedule and it came to 21 hours a day. And I said, that's 21 hours a day. She said, yeah. And I said, when do you sleep? She said, uh, what sleep? What's that word mean? Yeah. Um, and and so you know you're talking about do do creative work or find more. It's it's been a, a challenge to try to figure. And you know I'm not going to help her get to some six figure income. Um, I'm coaching her to to keep things functioning and moving incrementally forward, one step at a time forward, so that you know eventually distance learning will end. Eventually, kids will go back to school and just kind of maintain that. But I, I do always encourage people to keep an eye on the prize, even if the prize is not coming this year. Because it's easier to think that every step I'm taking is one step closer on a thousand mile journey to success than to say, I'm just trying to survive till tomorrow. Because that gets really depressing really fast if you're just focused on pure survival. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And yeah, the, your client's like day. I've, I've seen a lot of those days. So it's, you know, she doesn't have the time to like spend like an hour like messaging people on Instagram to like build up her Instagram following. Like there's like right. some real world stuff. And I, I love though, Michael, what you said, just in terms of like playing the long game. And I think that's what we need to do. I, I heard something yesterday that um, we drink from the wells that we didn't dig. And we also get shade from the trees that we didn't plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the trees that we get shade from were planted years ago. And What's important though for us is we we dig wells today and we plant we plant seeds and plant trees for tomorrow and other people will you know get comfort from both of those down the road and we play the the long game as opposed mm-hmm. to this month to month quarter to quarter thing that we sometimes fall victim to or trapped into especially here in the United States. So if we can play the long game that we keep pedaling if you will one one pedal stroke at a time then we can look back over the course of the year. And I think like we're looking back, we're sitting down now, like at the end of 2020, I can look back and say, you know what, we, we accomplished a lot this year. Was it smooth? Were we all together all the time? Uh, No and no. And you can probably throw in a couple other no's, but you know (laughs) what, when you, when you look at what we faced a global pandemic without a playbook and just the emotions that we all felt and the success that we we had, again, not every industry can say this. Some industries flourished. Some were are still being hit really hard. But we got through this moment. Uh, we got through the toughest moment in many of our lives, uh, our, our lifetime. So I think we 
we can have confidence that, hey, you know what, when the situation calls for it, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And we can then use that to build some confidence into creating what we want to create as we go forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you're saying about, you know, thinking about, you know, think about what people are going through and the challenges they have and whatnot. Um, as you mentioned, I've, I've really been trying to incorporate that. In that. So I do a daily motivational message at motivation.guyknowsaguy.com, which I think by the time this podcast comes out, we'll actually be in uh, podcast form as well. But I, I always try to try to think about who the audience is and how it could be a broad audience and that maybe they're not, you know, maybe they'll never be on TV or be a you know, blue checkmark influencer, but that everyone does important and great things in their way. And it may be they raise their kids really well and set them up for a great life. Or it may be they're, they take care of, uh, you know, maybe it's a nurse and they're a great nurse and they change the lives of the people they touch in ways that may or may not be remembered, but their greatness is not always a million followers or a million dollars. And so I was kind of trying to focus that to, you don't have to dream big. You could be big right now where you are. Absolutely. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I really, really focused on. And, and and where where we got to this, you know, talking about the common coaches before uh, the show came on, um, we were talking about conference 21. And one thing I'm really excited about with our lineup is that it's not, you know, it's not a bunch of A-list motivational celebrities. Um, it's, it's a, it, most people have probably heard of one of the names because uh, the speakers are, you know, bringing in their audiences and we're kind of bringing all our audiences together, which is a really cool thing. Um, but what's great is that, that I, I feel like, kinda, you remember Avis's slogan, you know, Avis, we're number two, we try harder. Yes. Um, I think there's a bit of that with the, the mid-range speakers and the mid-range experts is they, they, they're not part of a billion dollar company their organization, maybe themselves, maybe a couple of assistants, but so they're trying harder. They're accessible. You know, any one of the speakers at Conference 21, you can get them on the phone. You don't have to go through their people to talk to them. Uh, so, you know, if you see one speaking, you're like, hey, I really like what you said. Can we talk a bit? You can. They're accessible. Uh, and I think it, there's there's more valuable more value in someone who you can connect with personally, whether it's their content is resonant or you can actually get them on the phone and talk to them. Versus the the guy you pay five thousand dollars to go to his his uh, auditorium seminar and maybe get to shake his hand at the end, but there's no personal connection. Um, and that's what I'm really excited about is bringing those kinds of accessible experts, if you will, um, to people and bringing people together in that way. I think it's great. I think I love the people that you've brought together. Like you know, as your expertise suggests, Michael, you are a great networker and bringing together of people. And, and I, I, what you just said totally resonates. You know, I, I've had a chance to go to see some big names speak and you don't, you don't get that contact. You know, I know, and this is the thing that I pride myself on my business. If, if someone makes a comment on one of my posts in social media land, like, and I, and I respond, it's me responding. I, I remember when I left my corporate existence to start coaching at the young age of 47, like I didn't know anything about social media. And I posted something on a famous person's like, like post. And I got a response back and I was like, Oh my God, like they responded to my post, like my comment. And one of my buddies just busted my bubble. He's like, yeah, it wasn't him. It was one of his people. And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, no, no, no. They have a whole team of people that respond to their social media uh, posts and all that jazz. They don't do it themselves. And Mm -hmm. I was like, really? I go, that happens? <laughs> Again, keeping in mind, 
like I wasn't, I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't on Instagram. I didn't have a Facebook account. I had a dormant LinkedIn account when I left corporate life after 22 years. So I thought, well, like, no, no, it's legit. Like you post something, you're the one responding. And I was like, well, that doesn't feel too good when he, you know, did the whole bubble bursting thing. And I said, well, yeah. I'm going to make a commitment every time that I post something. If I'm like, if someone responds to it, they're going to hear from me and we're going to have a relationship together, that connection. And I never want to get, I don't, I don't want to get huge where I feel like I have to have an army of people. I, and again, for the people who do it, they have big teams. Good on you. I, we need you. But for me and the type of business I want to run and the type of connection I want to make, I want it to be more intimate. I want to be like, I got, I got your back. Like I'm the hand on your back, helping you through that ride uh, called life or called your career. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think we can have a mixture, right? We can have a mixture of people that have big teams and have larger platforms, but I th also think we need to index as I mentioned earlier, appropriately. So we have people in the middle that have such valuable stories and you can make such a beautiful connection with them. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming to the end of our time, but two things I do want to touch on is one, I want you to share uh, what you'll be talking on at uh, Conference 21. Um, and then I also want to, uh, we talked before about what, what the word Peloton means. And so I want to share that as well. Uh, but first, what, what are you going to be talking about at Conference 21? Yeah. So again, thanks, Michael, for giving me the opportunity to be part of your crew. I'm going to be talking about how to prevent a bad moment from turning into a bad day and a model that I use to build more resilience called grace. So we're going to talk about the grace model and how that can help us navigate those tough moments that we all have. We're living through a couple of them so they don't turn into bad days or even longer. Fantastic. That sounds like a really valuable talk. I think current day, I think the topic of resilience and how to reframe and move forward is is something yep. that we need a lot of as we go forward. And even in non-COVID times, it's still a very valuable, valuable thing. Um, and then we were talking before about uh, the, the word Peloton, because um, I, I don't know if you're aware of it. There's another company that also has a similar yeah. name. I hear they're uh, like into bikes and they have like very attractive models and spin yes. instructors. So, um, yeah, so they beat me to that punch, having a bigger advertising budget and more attractive talent, if you will. So uh, Peloton, for those that don't know, is a group of cyclists and a bike race, bike race like the Tour de France. All those different lycra clad, colorfully clad cyclists, they form a Peloton. And even though they're on different teams, they need each other to go down the road as fast and as safe as possible. Sort of like life. We need each other to go down this road called life. Even though we're on different teams, sometimes we're out there, you know, blocking the wind. Sometimes we're drafting. Sometimes we're pointing out road hazards. We need all of us because ultimately we're on this one big planet. We're all in the same Peloton. I use it as a metaphor for your community, your network, if you will, your personal board of directors, the Peloton spin people. Love them. They're great. Uh, they use it as a virtual spinning class. So same mm -hmm. word. Um, I came up with the word as I was recovering in the hospital. My whole medical team, about 15 people, were around me doing rounds, trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with me because I had a complication that was hard to figure out. And when they left the room, I told my wife, I go, they're like my medical Peloton. They're all helping me get down the road as fast and as safe as possible. And I was like, oh, that'd be a really cool name for a business one day. And I wrote it down in my notebook. And, you know, a few years later, we made it happen. And there you are. So, uh, and so how can people get in touch with you? 
the best way is my website, which is michaelobrienshift.com, S-H-I-F-T. And you can check out my blog, sign up for that there. And I've got a couple workbooks and then a, a couple um, things I've done of late, my pause, breathe and reflect gear for us to slow down and take a breath and be a little bit more reflective as we go into the new year. Nice. All right. Great. Well, that's, that's Michael O'Brien. That's O'Brien, O-B-R-I-E-N. But they yes. can also go find that in the show notes. Um, and so I appreciate you being on. I'm excited to have you at Conference 21 because I know that's going to be a great talk um, from talking to you here and also, um, you know, just looking forward to it. And Conference 21, of course, people can find at conference21.com. And I appreciate you being on the show, Michael. Oh, thank you, Michael. Have a great one. And I can't wait for your conference. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Michael O'Brien has such an inspiring story. I'm so glad that both that he is going to be a speaker at Conference 21 and that I got to have him on the show. He's, he really is, is added to the, the richness of our offerings here in the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I hope you learned something. I learned some great things from that. And if, if you need help to get your head right, of course, you should definitely follow Michael O'Brien and connect with him. But uh, I also encourage you to subscribe to my motivational, my Morning Motivation podcast, which uh, is Morning Motivation. You can search it most platforms if you search Morning Motivation by Michael Whitehouse. Um, but if you can't find it or if you want an email reminder, go to motivation.guywhoknowsaguy.com, and that will give you an email Every morning, and I can't guarantee it's every single morning, it's free, don't complain too much, uh, but almost every morning in your email, first thing in the morning, I send it out at 3 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, in your email you will get the link to today's message. And it's a great way to wake up, and they're, they're quick, they're you know 45 seconds up to about three minutes depending on uh, the message I have and how long the music is, quite frankly. But it's just a quick little hit to get you started in the morning, get you fired up, give you that, give you the right thing to start with. Rather than you know starting with the news and what's going on in, in the world and how many people died of COVID today and, uh, and what's going on in the stock market, start with a quick hit, 30, 45 seconds, maybe two, three minutes, quick hit of positive motivational energy. I think we can all use that right now. Uh, and right after the credits, I'm going to have a sample uh, a sample episode. You can listen to it there. And then, of course, be sure to sign up at uh, motivation.guywhoknowsaguy.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will share it with people you know. You know leave a review, a rating, uh, you know, do all that stuff. Um, but really, that is very important, leaving those ratings and reviews. So whatever platform, I'm especially Apple Podcasts, but really anything, if you're able to leave a rating, please do so. That helps other people find this podcast, which if you've listened all the way to the end, you probably enjoyed. So I hope you'll do that. And be sure to subscribe. You know, maybe you're, you're a fan of uh, Michael's, not of mine yet. Uh, but, you know, subscribe to my podcast. You may find some other great interviews that you'll enjoy as well. I hope you will consider doing that. Thank you so much for listening. You're awesome. Keep being awesome. Here's some credits and stick around afterwards for a sample of the morning motivation message. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Segment introductions by Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel and Summer Ambient Piano by Raphael Crook of filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com 
slash the guy who knows a guy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast as a whole, we welcome you to share our links with them. Thanks. I'll see you next week. Think about the greatest challenge you're dealing with right now. Whatever it is, whatever's holding you back, keeping you up at night, whatever's tiring you out and stressing you out, I want you to think about that challenge and think about what the solution might be because that solution might be just around the corner. It might be in the hands of someone you already know. You might already possess it. You never know. Sometimes we get so fixated on a problem or a challenge or an obstacle that we don't look past it and say, how would it be solved? We simply simply say, we've got a problem. I got a problem. I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm right here. And, and that's natural, especially now. We're so tired. We're so overwhelmed. There's so much going on. But just slow down. Take a step back and think about if this problem were solved, what would that look like? What would that life be like? How would things be better? How would my life be better? How might it help other people if I could solve this problem as well? And then if I were to have solved it in the future, this problem solved, what might have happened? Who might have helped me? What strategy might have been used to solve this problem? And when you slow down and take a moment to think about what the solution might have been to this hypothetical future problem, you may suddenly realize, wait, I know someone who can do that, or I know something I can do with this, or I know what to do. So often, we already know what we need to do. It's inside you already. You've already got the answer. It's just you're so you're so overwhelmed. You're so caught up. You're so tied up. You're so wrapped up in the challenges you already have. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to those people you see on social media who look so successful and so much like they got it all together. It happens to all of us. It's fine. But just take that moment to think about how would this problem be solved? And realize you probably don't have as many problems as you think. And the ones you have probably aren't as intractable as you think. So... When you slow down, you kind of focus on that, you discover you can get this under control. You can get this solved. You can do it. You got a lot of greatness in you. You got a lot of answers in you. Just deploy them, and you'll be amazed at what you can make happen and what you are able to solve. If you enjoyed that message, go to motivation.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Sign up with your email list. You'll get uh, daily messages inviting you to listen to the message there. You'll you'll also be on my email list with some other announcements there. Uh, You are able to opt out of that part if you don't want the rest of the announcements and just want the email message or just want the motivational messages. That's fine. I won't hold it against you. But uh, by default, I'll share some other stuff because maybe if you listen to this podcast, listen to that podcast, you might want to know what else I'm doing. Maybe. I don't know, but you have control over that. That's the cool thing about the platform I'm using. Uh, so you can decide what you want to hear. So go to motivation.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Sign up, get those updates, and I look forward to hopefully giving you a boost of motivation every single morning, getting you fired up. Thank you so much for listening. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. 
jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.